This is Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on your official home of the Flames. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. On hour two, Sportsnet today. Doug Lacey's Basement Systems Downtown Studios. I'm Logan. She's Taylor. He's Cam. Off day today for the Calgary Flames. One more before they're back in action in Vancouver to take on the Cucks for a one game road trip on Friday night. Practice at the Scotiabank Saddledome to get set for that matchup. Good news for the Calgary Flames. Michael Stone back practicing with the main group. First time since suffering a lower body injury back in February. He's missed the last 19 games. Operating as an extra on the third pair with Dennis Gilbert and Troy Stetcher. Still no Chris Tanev, who's dealing with an upper body injury. No change to the lines for the forwards following their win against the LA Kings. That means Manjapani with Lindholm to Foley. Huberto with Backlund and Coleman. Richie, Kadri, Dubé, Lucic, Lewis, and Dewar. While the youngsters make up a fifth line of Peltier, Ruzichka, and Coronado. Later on in the day, we will get some uh, audio on a practice day from the Calgary Flames, and we'll hear from a couple members of the team as we get set for that matchup on Friday in Vancouver. But of course, today, big focus, opening day across the majors, a couple games underway right now, including the New York Yankees and the San Francisco Giants. That's on Sportsnet 1, Yankees with a one nothing lead, thanks to an Aaron Judge first inning home run. Braves with a 3-1 lead over the Washington Nationals as well. Still to come today, Jays and Cardinals on the Sportsnet 960 airwaves. Alec Manoa getting his first ever opening day start for the Jays. All the coverage right here on Sportsnet 960. The fan will then toss things over to Flames Talk for a later edition following the Jays and the Cardinals. We talked uh, a little bit of everything baseball with Adnan Vert, but to uh, focus in a little bit more on the Blue Jays, the team that we cover here uh, primarily on Sportsnet 960. We're going to flash you back to this morning. Uh, Russick and Rose in the morning on the big show, chatting with the play-by-play voice of the Toronto Blue Jays, Ben Wagner. He's back for another season behind the mic calling Jays games. You'll hear plenty of Ben's voice across these airwaves over the next couple of months as we bring you uh, as much Blue Jays action as possible. He joined the guys for a little opening day preview, talking all things Toronto Blue Jays with the voice of the Jays, Ben Wagner, with Russick and Rose a little earlier today. Ben Wagner is the voice of the Jays on the Sportsnet Radio Network, and he joins us here on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Ben, how are you? It's opening day. I know. And you have a bad day when it's opening day. That's what I was going to ask you. Great day. I asked, yeah. uh, we had Shai Davidi on earlier uh, this week, and I asked him, hey, do you still get any butterflies? No, he's a cynical, jaded writer. <laughs> <laughs> Where are you 
Where are you with the butterflies when it comes to opening day? Do you still get them? Yes, I'm going to float. Okay. Uh, all day. I, I Honestly, the butterflies will make me float uh, today. It, I will be beaming with excitement and probably annoyingly giddy mm-hmm. when the Blue Jays also have their home opener and will be a Rogers Center to, to watch all that unfold. Opening day, and I've been in baseball now. This is, I mean, this is nuts for me to say, but I've been in professional baseball now 20 years. Uh, I, I absolutely love opening day. I loved it when I was 23 years old, my first play-by-play gig in Lakewood, New Jersey, where it was misty and cold and an awful day to be at the ballpark. I remember my first opening day in Buffalo. It was so cold. There was so much snow. The tarp froze to the field. I still love that day. <laughs> and we didn't play for four days. We didn't play for four days. Yeah. Richmond never even came to the ballpark. I didn't care. I was going to the ballpark every That's day. Awesome. And it was going to be opening day, opening day, opening day. So I had like five opening days. <laughs> five opening days my first year in Buffalo because, again, the first four were snowed out. Uh, finally got Ottawa to town, oddly enough. Um, <laughs> and then, I mean, I have been fortunate uh, take COVID out of it, right? Where that was a weird opener. Yeah. Uh, but I have been fortunate to have my opening days since winning the lottery with this job. They have all been at Rogers Center. So, you know, you get the opener of opening days. So that's always great. Um, you know, but a- a- again, opening day for me, it's the most fun because it takes all the work that you've done in the off season from a broadcast standpoint, the prep standpoint, the storylines, and, um, you know, all those early mornings grinding and standing in front of lockers and talking to guys and priorities uh, from from guys like Chris Bassett all the way down to Ricky Tiedemann and Simro Bears. Like, you know, I, I'm, I'm harnessing all of this information. And now we just get to hit this little green button or in, in our radio world, the little red button and put it all in motion. I, I love this day. Um, I wanted to ask you from a a broadcasting standpoint, now that the pitch clock is there and Mm. what we've seen in spring training, uh, pardon the pun, absolute home run uh, for baseball with the pitch clock. Shut up. Um, (laughs) I wanted to ask you, story time, Ben. Like, I don't think you'll have time for a lot of stories. You'd be like, whoa, whoa, a lot of action going on. You got to call all the action. Boom, innings over to to the commercials. Like, how do you anticipate maybe just calling games differently than maybe before? Because... Thankfully for all of us, more action and more of a pace to the game. I love it. First and foremost, um, I've had 30, 30 broadcasts uh, through spring training as my test drive to get ready for this. And it's different. I told um, Dan came down, I think maybe like 10 games into the, into the regular or into spring training. I said, and he didn't call the game yet with the pitch clock. And I said, guys, like, it's different. Like, hmm. You notice it right away. And story time, Ben, thankfully, will be a more condensed story time, Ben. Like <laughs> words, words matter, you know, and you have to be succinct. And it was definitely a different rhythm. It's a different cadence to the game. And, you know, some of the minutiae that I really enjoy sharing on the broadcast, uh, I, I love that aspect of baseball, it, you know, that connection and the stories and kind of weaving everything together. I love that part of the broadcast to begin with, uh, but you are much more aware of the pace of play that now the batters and the pitchers certainly are going to be accustomed to. And I loved it because Major League Baseball did not allow any grace period. It was, yeah. this is how we're doing it from yep. day one. 
and it made a significant difference in in every aspect of spring training. And I think it's going to be a huge, huge win for Major League Baseball. And most importantly, uh, our viewers, our listeners, and fans of Major League Baseball. Ben, what is your go-to story that you've always had in the holster in case there's an extra super long pitching change or a rain delay? What's the Ben Wagner story you always have there in your hip pocket ready to unleash it on the listeners occasionally? Oh, man. Um, you know, I mean, we can always tell war stories, right? Um, <laughs> I, I, I get, you know, I, I was <laughs> I was prepared if it was going to snow in St. Louis to do a deeper dive, and I kind of I kind of teed it up right there, right? Like my first year in Buffalo, 2007, mm-hmm. where the weather weather issues are always easy, right? It's like when you call your parents. Oh, man, we ran out of things yeah. to talk about. Guess what comes up? We're going to talk about the weather. <laughs> it's one of those things. So, um, you know, I, I think I don't have it right in the holster right now being put on the spot. Um, I always have something teed up around, like, the player that is the big topic at the time, right? Um, if it if it was last September, my my extra bullet in the chamber would have been Bo Bichette, right? And deep dive conversations that I've had with Bo that allow um, you know standing on the field first and foremost. I mean, I go right to the source. Uh, I don't I don't mess around. You know, I, I I go right to the source and I ask the players because that's where you get all the accurate and uh, all the good stuff. So. You know, it's a little bit of, of situational awareness. Um, I had a really good, you know, if it is that case, I've got stuff that I haven't shared about Alec Manoa, you know, for today. If if we see a couple of things work in his favor, maybe not work in his favor, I've got him ready to go on Manoa. Um, because, you know, to waste some of those stories in spring training is kind of you just punt it into the abyss. Um, now, now it matters. Now it matters, you know, where you can make this impact. Certainly is an abyss. That's uh, I like the use of the word there. Um, the big thing, the, the big two words we heard going into the offseason for the Blue Jays was run prevention. Based on everything that you've seen through spring training, what's going to be the biggest factor in the Jays actually doing that, preventing more runs this year? Their outfield, Dalton Varshow, Kevin Kiermeyer, and George Springer. Three Ferraris out there. That's the buzzword that John Schneider mm. used when I said, what is the best scenario? What is your best outfield? And he said, fire him up and let him run. And, and with shift prevention down the infield, Blue Jays last year were so aggressive in how they were placing Teoscar Hernandez, Lourdes Gurriel Jr. And in the middle of that, are you shading George Springer? Now you've got three outstanding outfielders. Outstanding. Um, I am not married to the to the Whit Merrifield, Kevin Biggio going to the corner to help matchups and that kind of stuff. I just think the better outfield and run prevention is the most important thing that we've heard now for months about the Blue Jays and teeing up their success. So the outfield certainly and who hits at second base? Santiago Espinal gives the Blue Jays the best glove up the middle working with Bo Bichette. You know, Whit Merrifield is not as fast and does not cover ground like he used to. Kevin uh, Dejo is obviously in that. So does a bat win a job at second base? And will the offense win out over, you know, that, that defensive metric in a given matchup? 
Alec Manoa going to get the start today. I was just looking up his odds to win the Cy Young. What do you think about him uh, kind of being one of those guys in the American League that at the end of the year we're all looking as uh, one of the top pitchers in this league? I like where Alec Manoa has been, where, um, you know, he has not had a sophomore slump. You know, let's be very honest. He had a lot of success, and when games were more and more magnified last year, he continued to pitch better. He has an incredible amount of confidence, which he should. Uh, I have a couple of concerns because I looked at fastball velocity through spring training, and it was really down. And last year in the big leagues, when his fastball velocity was down, the numbers for the opponents jump up average on base. Like every metric will sting Alec Manoa if he doesn't have that extra life on the fastball. So um, I'm really interested to see now that the adrenaline is going to be pumping. Do you get an extra click or two on the fastball? Then, then that stuff becomes electric. Like we know it, right? That we remember it being with Alec Manoa and the splash that he made over the last now year and a half, almost two years with Manoa. So I don't think that that's dumb money to play, right? If you say, Alec Manoa is going to win Cy Young. But there's also another guy that might win a Cy Young and had an amazing spring in Kevin Gosman. Um, uh, but, but, you know, for Alec, for Alec, he's got to get a couple of things lined up and synced up right away. Harness that slider, especially against really good right-handed hitters that you're going to have a lot in the division. And I want to see that two seamer. I want that. I want that two seamer to play on both sides of the plate. And I think if he's got two, those two things working, it'll be a really, really good start to the year for him. Uh, ben, what what is a good year for Vladimir Guerrero Jr.? Well, I don't know that he's ever going to have a year with the expectations where fans walk away saying, "Wow, that was a great year for Vladimir Guerrero Jr." Um, what what is a great year for Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and what he uh, provides to the lineup is he going to be a threat every time he steps into the batter's box you know we've we've seen vladdy kind of get out of sync and top a lot of balls beat it into the ground for me if you can get vladdy somewhere in the range of 70 let's call it you know i'll say 80 i'll be on the aggressive side give me 80 extra base hits for Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Okay. That's what I want to see. And now he has the ability to win a batting title too. Like he can hit for average. Let's let's see, you know, it's it's not all or nothing with Vladdy. He makes a lot of contact. Um and I don't care where the extra bases come from. Like if he has 50 doubles and 20 home runs, you know, there's the 70, right? And then sprinkle in however else that metric slides. Uh I think though with this lineup the speed and knowing that they want to be more aggressive on the bases. I want to see Vlad focus on line drives and spray them all over the ballpark. And absolutely. If you look at 80 extra base hits, if you look at maybe, I don't know, 40 walks, something like that. And like somewhere in the two eighties with an average, maybe up to 300. I think that is a phenomenal season for Vladimir Guerrero jr. Um, ben, before I let you go, uh, for our listeners who uh, who don't know, you are a diehard Indianapolis Colts fan. Oh, and there's some whispers out there, Ben, that maybe they're in on up. Lamar Jackson. Oh. Your thoughts on maybe getting the Baltimore quarterback to Indy? Uh, that is very interesting because it's that's really interesting. I've I've been so hyper focused on Blue Jays baseball. You're I, have, I have not even got these whispers. That's, that's great, um, but. 
the Colts, <laughs> the Colts now for a decade have been trying to figure out the most important position in the NFL. And it has not gone well. So is this the answer? I, I want to know if the same evaluators are making the call on this as, as some of the other ones. Uh, but I will say I'm more, I'm more enthused about hearing Lamar Jackson as a potential uh, Indianapolis Colt than I was any of the other names going back, you know, eight to ten years. There you go. So thanks for that. Thanks for that shot in the arm today. No That's problem. Awesome. Uh, you're already like excited. You it, yeah. Yeah. And he, he, a little more uh, pep in your step uh, before you call the game. Ben, terrific stuff. We'll be catching up with you throughout the year. Thanks for this. Have a great call today. Sounds great. Hey, thank you so much. Happy opening day, everybody. There you go. The radio voice of the Toronto Blue Jays, Ben Wagner, joining Russick and Rose for the big show this morning. Getting set to call the Jays and the Cardinals, which you'll hear right here on Sportsnet 960. The fan coming up a little later this afternoon. Uh, some quick facts for you heading into opening day for the Toronto Blue Jays. They are a crisp 24 and 22 all time on opening day. Good news, they have won three straight opening day matchups, 13 and 14 all time when opening up their season on the road, and four and one. On their last four open or last five, excuse me, opening days that have come in a visiting stadium. So they've also never faced an NL team to kick off the MLB season. So that's one of the new parts of this balanced schedule. It's something we're seeing across the league today, including with that Yankees Giants game. We're just never used to seeing these sort of matchups on opening day, but exciting times nonetheless for the Toronto Blue Jays. You mentioned Alec Manoa, he will get the start. On opening day for the Toronto Blue Jays, following in the footsteps of some great Jays pitching, uh, Jose Barrios got the start on opening day last year for the Jays. Past that, it had been Hunjin Ryu who got back-to-back starts for the Jays on opening night. Uh, Marcus Stroman's done that a few times for the Jays. J.A. Happ did it in 2018. Taylor, how about Marco Estrada was your opening day starter for the Jays back in 2017? Those are taking me back. We've got some, there's some memories here. 2016 was another Strowman. So Strowman goes opening day starter 2016 and then 2019. So he gives it up for a couple of years. How about the names before that though? On 2015 opening day, Drew Hutchison made the opening day start for the Toronto Blue Jays. In 2013, 2014, Knuckleball specialist R.A. Dickey was your starting pitcher for the Toronto Blue Jays. These are just taking me back. These ones, a friend of the program, we've had him on the station many a times, uh, 2011-2012, back-to-back opening day starts for Ricky Romero. Those were some good times. Good times, good times. And 2008, Sean Markham (laughs) was your, or 2010, excuse me, Sean Markham was your uh, opening day starter for the Toronto Blue Jays. We're going way back in time here. Way back. Way back. The memories flooding back of all those seasons of horror. Yeah, there's been some some bad there for sure. Never great. Uh, but the good news, I mean, Alec Manoa, as solid as it gets for the Toronto Blue Jays, his ranks since coming in in 2021 
across the majors with a minimum of 300 innings pitched. Win percentage, 735. That's fourth across the majors. Third best ERA at a 2.60. Third best opponent's average. Opponent's averaging since Manoa came into the league, just a 198 batting average. He has been phenomenal. And if you've heard the expectations, it's a big one. He's a Cy Young favorite for this team and could potentially, potentially form a pretty dynamic duo with Kevin Gosman, who will get game two of this series for the Jays against the Cardinals. And I don't know if that's going to happen, Taylor. We've heard great things about Blue Jays pitchers in the past, but it sure would be great if they did have two Cy Young candidates in Manoa and Gosman. I think we saw, I mean, Manoa was third in Cy Young voting last season. And Gosman is pretty close up there. He's had a really good spring. Yeah. And last season too. So, I mean, I don't want to say I have super high expectations and then be let down. But, you know, they're just, those two are just such great pitchers. The only thing that would make it better is if Ross Stripling were there. Yeah, Ross Stripling in the bullpen uh, for the uh, San Francisco Giants who are uh, in action against the Yankees, trailing against the Yankees on Sportsnet 1 as we speak. 3-0 to the lead there. Uh, yes, Taylor's favorite. I thought you would have at least gotten over Brandon Belt. I showed you that article about Brandon Belt talking about the chicken strips. Nobody can replace chicken strip. No, but they've got a good bullpen. They have a they have a so much better bullpen than they have had right. for the past few seasons. Right. There's always been somebody there that's questionable and then... Uh, <laughs> That kind of messes up a lot of games, but you know what? I think we have a strong bullpen this season. Should be exciting. Uh, Jays and Cardinals coming your way in just a few hours here on Sportsnet 960. The fan, we will take you out uh, for Blue Jays pregame at 1 o'clock, 210 first pitch. Keep it around that time. Of course, opening day ceremonies uh, in St. Louis might extend it past that a little bit. They'll introduce the rosters, training staff. You know how it is. Uh, for opening day for pretty much every major league sport around uh, North America. So two tens when the first pitch is scheduled. We'll see how long it takes past that to get to it. But uh, Manoa on the mound, all your Jays coverage uh, right here on Sportsnet 960. The fan practice day for the Calgary Flames uh, as they get set to take on the Vancouver Canucks. They are back in focus for us next when Sportsnet Today continues here on Sportsnet 960. The fan. You're listening to Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on the home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. It's off on the road for one game for the Calgary Flames. Tomorrow, Friday night game in Vancouver against the surprisingly adequate Vancouver Canucks. Now, not adequate enough to be in a playoff spot, but just adequate enough to not be in the playoff picture, too. Or not be in the Connor Bedard picture, that is. It's like having a good month in March is, is, is good, but how much of it do you really believe? That's kind of where the Canucks are. It's like, yeah, you've, you've won a bunch of games in March, but do I trust it? Probably not. We'll get a look at that. We'll see what the Flames can do against their Pacific Division rivals tomorrow. 
Of course, all your Flames coverage right here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. 7 o'clock, Flames warm up with Labardius and Steinberg. Labardius and Wills on the call at 8 o'clock right here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. What can we tell you from a practice day at the Scotiabank Saddle today for the Calgary Flames? Well, good news. Defenseman Michael Stone was back skating with the first group, or the main group, I should say, for the first time in a long time since suffering a lower body injury back in February. Michael was back rotating on a third pairing with Dennis Gilbert and Troy Stetcher. Bad news, still no Chris Tanev for the group. He's been dealing with an upper body injury. We don't have any update on his status as of yet. So getting healthier, but still without one of their key defensemen. Aside from that, lines and pairings all stayed the same for the Calgary Flames. Your top line, Manjapani, Lindholm to Foley. Hubert remained with Backlund and Coleman. Richie with Kadri and Dubé. Lewis centering a line of Lucic and Dewar. Your extra line, we'll call it the kid line for now. Uh, Peltier with Ruzicka in the middle and Coronado on the right side. We'll see uh, morning skate on Friday. If anything changes for the Flames, who are on a two-game win streak and have a big matchup tomorrow against the Canucks as, uh, in the up across the road, down the road in Winnipeg. We'll say down the road in Winnipeg. Across the road. To the east. To the east. A few provinces. Uh, the Jets look to salvage something. They've been just awful the last month and a half. Their coach is calling them out. There's tension between everybody. We don't know if Rick Bonus is going to last more than a year in Winnipeg. They're trying to give this thing away. They have a matchup against the Detroit Red Wings at 6 o'clock. So no Predators uh, games on Friday. They do play Thursday night, however, against the Pittsburgh Penguins. So we'll see. The out-of-town scoreboard watching continues for the Calgary Flames heading into this weekend where they will also welcome in the Anaheim Ducks for a Sunday showdown at the Scotiabank Saddledome. But let's head back to the Dome, hear from a couple members of the Calgary Flames following practice on Thursday, starting with Michael Stone, who we mentioned has been uh, missing in action for a little while, dealing with that lower body injury, but obviously getting closer to a return as he was back with the main group at practice today. Here is Michael Stone from the Scotiabank Saddledome. How are you feeling? Ready good. to go? Yeah, I'm good, yeah. Who you play tomorrow? Uh, that's not my call, but I'm ready whenever needed. How did uh, practice number one with the guys feel? Pretty good, yeah. Um, I, I think I've put enough work in on the ice recently to feel pretty normal. It's a lot more bodies out there than I have been skating with. What's it been like to watch the team trying to get into the playoffs? Yeah, it's been some good games, and there's been some games that I think we'd like to improve on but it's I mean it's hard watching I've kind of gotten used to watching a little bit but uh, you know you always want to be in there contributing how do you how do you stay engaged during games or during those periods where you're not on the ice uh, I mean I, I think I got a pretty good feel for how games are going and whatnot I I don't ever not pay attention right. I, I mean I spent a lot of time up top in the press box as well, so you get a pretty good feel up there. Mm-hmm. You said it 
it's never easy watching, but how much does it, <clears throat> at this time of year, how much does it sort of test your Yeah, patience? it's hard, um, especially when things aren't going well yeah. in games or whenever, really. Uh, I find myself not yelling at the TV, but being like, what is, what's going on here? You know, that, that kind of thing. So you're going to Vancouver and the TV will get a break. Is that what you're telling yeah, us? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. How long have <laughs> you been skating? So what for? Uh, week and a half, probably, I think it was. I don't know. I'd have to get the calendar up. What uh, what did Vladar do to deserve the clapper from the Z Z got in my head. <laughs> He's like, yeah, fake slapper. No, just take a slapper. No, fake slapper. And then I saw a little opening. I'm like, I guess I better shoot. <laughs> it didn't work. It almost went. <laughs> I don't have uh, much in the toolbox on the shootouts, so that's pretty much it. How uh, how do you kind of gauge what you know what you're feeling, what you're seeing around the team? Obviously, you're you're two out now. I think mm-hmm. this team's been counted out a few times by the external yep. world so how would you kind of describe the mood in there I mean we it hasn't really changed from what I've seen obviously when the guys go on the road I'm not around and whatnot I'm on some of the pregame meetings or whatever just being on the ice by myself but um, <clears throat> everybody still is pushing for the same goal we want to get in and I haven't seen or heard anybody feeling otherwise. Michael, from your unique vantage point, watching road games on TV and mm-hmm. home games from the press box, kind of yeah. like us, um, what have you liked about how the way the team's played of late? Oh, I, it looks like we got some more more jam and whatnot. I, I think uh, we've, had, we've had guys step up and everybody's playing hard. And we're, Like last game, it was a playoff-type game, right? And you know, we, we uh, what I liked was we had a couple of things kind of not go our way, and we managed to just keep pushing in the same direction. We didn't get back on our heels, so that was good to see. How'd you feel uh, prior to going down and, and looking back to your game when you went down in February? Um, I, I think I had a poor one right before that, and then uh, the the one that I went down in was hard to judge my play because I was yeah. <laughs> it, like it happened in the first period and I was kind of just battling to get through 60 minutes to be honest big picture though how would you feel about just the, the way the season had done for you oh stopped and started a couple times so um, I think pretty similar to our group a little inconsistent but times of good play and times of need to be better let me just circle back quick. You mm-hmm. said obviously the ultimate goal is a playoff spot, and yeah. we all know that. What what makes you believe that's attainable at this point? What, there's no reason not to believe it. To be honest, mm-hmm. we've had some games where we 100% should be a playoff team, and then we've had some games where we've kind of dipped a little bit. But those games that you play playoff hockey, and there's no reason you shouldn't be in the playoffs. Michael Stone. Speaking to the media for the first time since being back on the ice with the main group today at practice at the Scotiabank Saddledome. Says he'll be with the group in Vancouver, ready to go if asked when the Flames take on the Vancouver Canucks tomorrow. So something to watch for uh, ahead of morning skating, perhaps uh, during Flames warm-up with Pat and Peter Labardius tomorrow. And be interesting to see if the Flames do decide to go down that road with Chris Tanev out of the lineup. Does one of 
Dennis Gilbert or Troy Stetcher find themselves on the outside looking in to bring Stone back into the lineup. Uh, it's been a while now, 19 games, I believe, uh, Stone has missed with that lower body injury. So it clearly, as you heard from him there, itching to get back into the lineup. We'll see whether or not Friday's game is the time for him to get back in or not. Another Flames defenseman we heard from after practice uh, Thursday at the Scotiabank Saddledome, Rasmus Anderson coming off one of his best performances of the year against the LA Kings. Strong defensively, a leader out there for the group, and he spoke to the media Thursday following practice. So you're two points out. Are you are you guys sort of standings watching, team parties watching? Winnipeg? Just like, like do, you, do you pay attention to that type of stuff? Right yeah, now? I mean, of course you pay attention. Um, you know, you... You want to know where you're at and um, you know we're closer than we've been in a little while so uh, but we got to take care of our own business and focus on ourselves. Does the mood of a dressing room maybe change when you are closer than you have been in a few weeks or is this a little um, Yeah maybe a little bit but I think uh, I think we're pretty good at keeping the spirits up in our room uh, you know we got a few loud guys and uh, who likes to chirp and that kind of stuff and try to have fun at the rink so um yeah, maybe a little bit, but uh, you know we uh, we've said it from you know even when we're the furthest away, we still believe in this group, and uh, we're gonna fight for every every single points there is. It's different though when you when it's that close to within grasp, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I mean, of course it is. Yeah. It's uh, you know as I said, we've been, we're closer than we've been in a little while, and um, but you know we got to take care of our own business if we if uh, you know we can't go. Uh, we can, uh, as I said, we get. We just gotta grab every point we can get, and um, and it sounds uh, it sounds boring, but it's the truth. And um, it's uh, what is it? Uh, eight games left. Uh, seven, seven, seven. Uh, seven. You know, seven tough games left, and uh, we gotta get every point we can get. You guys are trying to get every point you can get, but there is a bit of surprise of the fact that Winnipeg is above you. Isn't necessarily playing all that well. Do you guys? Were you guys surprised seeing that Winnipeg's kind of going through a point that you're I mean, I, I, I try not to focus on Winnipeg. Honestly, it's um, they're focusing on themselves, and we're focusing on ourselves. And uh, you know, you you, you don't want to stand here and uh, talk bad about another team. And uh, so, you know, we we're worried about ourselves, and they're probably worried about themselves. As uh, you know, Boston is worried about themselves too. It's. Uh, it's one of those things. Uh, it's out of your control, so you can't control it. Raz, you went from you went from I think it was six out one week ago. Yep. And, and that game against Vegas, the the mood seemed really different. Like, do you do anything after that game to try to lighten things up going forward? Um, you know, you try to have um, a lot of energy coming to work the next day. Um, you know, as you said, it, it was it was six points a week ago. Now it's two, so you know it, it, it can change just quick, and so that's why you just got to try to keep your mood up and uh, come to work every day and uh, you know bring the energy and bring the bring the bring the energy uh, in practice and in the in the locker room Russ, what are the challenges of playing against teams that don't have anything to play for and are maybe a little bit looser yeah as you said they're definitely looser and um, you know some of them haven't played for anything for a pretty long time so uh, you know they can play a little looser maybe a little bit more unexpected and uh, that kind of stuff but uh you know, if we play our game, if we play to our strengths, uh, uh, I think we can beat anyone. Rez, I, I know you understand why the fans and media and stuff are, are watching Winnipeg no. closely, but <laughs> how, much of, like, how much of the belief comes from the way 
maybe aside from that night in LA you guys have played in the last however long it's been? Um, yeah, I mean, obviously the night in LA, uh, it wasn't very, very good. And um, even, I think even Vegas at home, we, we were lack of energy, you know, coming home from a back-to-back, a day off, and then straight to a game. So it was a, it was a lack of energy that game. But on that, I think we've been playing pretty well. And, um, you know, we, we got we got confidence in the room and we got confidence in uh and all the guys in there. So, um, you know, as I said, we just got to focus on ourselves and uh, try to win every game we can. In those moments, do, you, do certain guys step up and deliver a speech or, or rally the troops? Or I mean, some do happen? and some don't. Uh, you know, uh, you're in a group, you know, you, as I say, you have, you have guys who talk mm-hmm. more than others and mm-hmm. you have, uh, you know, the leaders that um, talk in certain situations and uh, that kind of stuff. So, uh, but yeah, you know... Um, we obviously know our leaders, um, you know, with Bax, Tanny, Lindy, and Johnny, and uh, you know they speak up and um, they're trying to lead by example. And uh, in my opinion, they do. That is Flames defenseman Rasmus Anderson speaking to the media following practice Thursday at the Scotiabank Saddledome. Last uh, member of the Flames to hear from on this Thursday from the dome. Jonathan Huberto, one of those leaders that Rasmus mentioned, wearing an A. His first season in Calgary has not been what many, including Jonathan, has expected, but still a chance to uh, have an impact late down the stretch here for the Calgary Flames in these final seven games, and that is where his focus is on in making the playoffs during his first year in Calgary. That uh, we'll hear now from Jonathan Huberto following uh, his media availability at the Saddle Dome Thursday. Two points out now. What... Uh... How would you kind of describe maybe the jolt that that can give a group? Yeah, it's great. I mean, uh, you know, I think we we know like we have seven games left, so we know we got to give you know a lot of points, and that's what you know we, we've been doing. And I think you know we're close to a playoff spot, so just you know focus on ourselves and you know go for it with that, and gives the, the you know the two points every game. It's huge for us. Does it feel different when it's right there? With, it hasn't been right there within grasp for a while for this team so does it feel different than it might have a week ago i mean yeah it's always fun to be close to the playoff spot so uh yeah it brings like you know some energy obviously we're you know on the ice and practices and stuff and you know when you know you're close i think you know push you know harder and you know i think these next seven games are going to be huge you know we're gonna we got to win mostly like every game, so it's a it's a good challenge. But that, that's what's fun fun about it. Oh, sorry, I didn't cut you off. Uh, Raz mentioned that uh, you, know, you have to focus on yourself as you try to get as many points as you can, and you try not to focus on other teams as they go through what they go through. How hard is it to keep that focus on you guys and not look at Winnipeg not playing at its best this year? I mean, you want to climb in the standings, so it doesn't matter what the other team does. It's you know, it's about you getting your two points and go go ahead. So I think. You know, that, that's our main focus is to win, you know, tomorrow in Vancouver and, you know, game by game. I think it's important not to look ahead and not to look at the other team, how they're struggling and stuff like that. I think focus on yourself and, you know, game by game. This is your first time going through this in, like, a Canadian market. So do you find yourself, you've had off days here in Calgary or you, you experiencing the, like, are you talking to fans? Is it, is it a little bit different than maybe uh, in the past for you? Yeah, I mean, yeah, a little bit. I mean, you're a different kind of situation every year, but uh, it's uh, no, it's cool. You see the, you know, you can feel the energy, the atmosphere in, in the building, and you know, even on the street talking to fans. But it's it's fun. That's what it's all about. I think, and you know, that's uh, to get in the playoffs. That would be you know huge for us. 
what's the fan interaction been like? Any, any memorable uh, <coughs> comments or anything? Not every, I think everybody's behind us, and you know, I think it's been a kind of roller coaster kind of year, and I think you know, if we finish, we're in the playoff. That's all. That's all that matters. What, Johnny, they say it's not how you start; it's how you finish. And I think a lot of people will forget what's been a turbulent season if you guys got to the playoffs. Is that is that in your heads right now? Yeah, I think you finish first or eighth. It's you know the same thing now, nowadays. So, I mean, obviously, like you said, I think ups and downs. But I mean, it's the way you finish that people is gonna you know remember. What gives you optimism? We could be standing here in two weeks talking about a playoff series. Yeah, I think, yeah. I mean, I'm optimistic. I think you know we have a lot of great guys in the room, a lot of good veteran, great leaders. So. We know it's a big push, but I think at the same time we want to have fun doing it and doing it together. What's, what does leadership look like right now, Jonathan? Beyond just leading by example, but you're an alternate here. How do you try to lead during the stretch? Of the yeah, I think you. You know, there's a lot. Of, I mean, it's not like you have a young team, so I think everybody knows what they have to do. There's some guys that won, so I think you know it's uh, that's huge when you get you know some guys that already been through that and you know playoff push. I don't have much experience, you know, so but. It's, uh, you know, as you get older, you try to be a good leader in the room and, you know, try to give your best uh, every night. Jonathan Huberto finishing up the Flames media availabilities Thursday after practice at the Scotiabank Saddle Dome. Friday night, their next game out against the Vancouver Canucks. 7 o'clock puck drop, uh, 7 o'clock warm-up, excuse me, 8 o'clock puck drop right here on Sportsnet 960. The fan with Pat Steinberg leading our Flames coverage. Derek Wills and Peter Labardius on the call at Eight and yes, uh, the Calgary Flames doing some scoreboard watching as Rasmus Anderson uh, admitted this time of year it's hard not to uh, for the Flames. The one game that will probably be of most interest tonight for them on the NHL's uh, scoreboard is the Nashville Predators and the Pittsburgh Penguins from Pittsburgh. Uh, Nashville, of course, still well entrenched with Calgary and Winnipeg in that final spot uh, battle for the final spot in the Western Conference wild card situation. Lucy Soros gets to the start for Nashville. Tristan Jari going for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Nashville 5-4-1 and one in their last 10. They've got a one-game winning streak heading into tonight's action. No Winnipeg Jets hockey tonight. They are again in action on Friday. Uh, same when the Flames are. Uh, they're taking on the Detroit Red Wings. Lots of tension in Winnipeg. You've heard it the last couple of days, whether it be from Rick Bonus or others around the team. They are not performing up to capabilities during a very important stretch here for Winnipeg. We'll see if they can turn that around tomorrow. That'll be the game to watch uh, ahead of the Flames and the Vancouver Canucks. Other games of interest tonight across the league. You've got the Ducks and Kraken. That one really only important for Seattle as they're trying to push their way into a spot in the Pacific Division. Speaking of the Pacific Division, Kings and Oilers. That's a potential round one preview from Edmonton tonight. You can watch that game on Sportsnet West Kings and Oilers. Sounds like Jonas Corposalo will get the start in goal for LA and it'll be Stuart Skinner going for the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, Vegas in that mix in the Pacific as well. They're taking on the San Jose Sharks. They've got the late game tonight. 8.30 puck drop. Florida Panthers just finished getting ripped apart by uh, Matthew Kachuk's dad, Keith. You uh, haven't heard those quotes floating around. Um, Keith Kachuk, not a fan of this Florida Panthers team uh, of late, says they're soft, uh, too busy trying to get autographs from Marner and Matthews and not worrying about uh, their own style of play. Uh, that was something we never saw or heard of 
when Matthew was in Calgary, Keith Kachuk always a, a very vocal, you know, observer. He's he's played plenty of hockey in his own career, and obviously comes with an opinion on it. But man, we never heard him drag the Sens the way he has the the Panthers or the Flames. So very interesting stuff out of Florida right now. They're trying to get into the playoffs in the East. They're taking on the lowly Montreal Canadiens tonight. That one's a 5 o'clock puck drop from Montreal. You've got the Lightning and the Capitals also at 5. Flyers, Senators going at 5 as well. Uh, Interesting to note, Ryan Reynolds in Ottawa for tonight's game. Uh, Part of the prospective group, uh, one of the prospective groups interested in acquiring the uh, Ottawa Senators' ownership rights. Um, so apparently he'll be at the game tonight. He was meeting with the mayor of Ottawa doing the rounds. Uh, so we'll see if the uh, Hollywood superstar and Wrexham FC owner uh, is going to be one of these winning bids that goes for the Ottawa Senators. Another potential round one playoff matchup uh, preview tonight. Rangers and Devils have a 5 o'clock puck drop as well. You've also got the Hurricanes mixed in with the Detroit Red Wings. Thank you to Adnan Verk and Peter Labardius for joining us on the program this afternoon. We will be back tomorrow on a Flames game day right here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan.